0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Going Up Cast, the weekly feel-good podcast with music, stories, comic books, meeting famous people at your workplace, and getting into some long-awaited movies. I'm your host, Andrew Logan, and let's dive right into it. So on this week's episode of The Going Up Cast, we have a lot of ground to cover. I'm relatively certain that this is actually going to be the longest podcast I've released to date. And that is because we spend an awful lot of time talking about Dungeons and Dragons in relation to a brand new comic book I just had the pleasure of reading. That is Vox Machina Origins, which is the Critical Role comic book, and we'll get into more detail on that later on. We naturally have our Songs of the Week as well. We talk about an encounter I had with uh, the voice actor for Shaggy from Scooby-Doo, Matthew Lillard. And I also talk about uh, The Incredibles 2, which is a movie I saw this week, which is uh, fantastic. It is wonderful. But we get into more detail on that later on as well. There is a lot to dive into this week. And I also talk briefly about um, what kind of steps you can take on how to get started in Dungeons & Dragons because it is a topic very near and dear to my heart. And hopefully it will inspire some of you to go out... And start your own start your own D and D games or join an existing game. But I talk about all of that a little later on in the podcast. But to start us off right this week, we are going to dive into what we usually dive right into, and that is music. Here are our songs of the week. All right, now it is time for this week's songs of the week. If you have any songs you would like to suggest for song of the week, please feel free to reach out at goingupcast at gmail.com I've got two songs this week like I do every week and I got a cool driving song and a really awesome metal nerd song and we're going to talk about the driving song first because it will kind of lead us great from uh, from last week with, the, uh, with Tiny Dancer and Life is a Highway into a song that came out March 15th, 1976 off of the album Destroyer by the band KISS, that's right, it is God of Thunder. Now, I've been on a bit of a KISS binge uh, lately, and this song uh, just kinda came out of nowhere, and I'm like, this song sounds really familiar to me. Oh, that's right, it was in Brutal Legend. It was one of the songs on the Brutal Legend soundtrack, which is my all-time favorite video game soundtrack, which I know isn't fair, because it's like 87 amazing heavy metal songs um, from all over all over the, the great wide world of heavy metal. And while KISS, is definitely more of like a glam rock um kind of band. Uh, in the early days, they definitely had a heavy metal vibe, like classic heavy metal vibe. And uh, for me, it's really just the, um, just kind of like the, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just very, it's like a primal beat. Um, There's a lot of uh, like reverse drums. There's a lot of weird sounds in here, like explosions and zippers and screaming children, you know, just stuff like that. Um, but like when you're like walking down like the street or in my case zipping down the highway and this song comes on oh boy you gotta watch out because it just gets your blood pumping so uh so here you go here's a little snippet of it That song is basically just a Gene Simmons' theme song for when they uh, for when they play live. There's a lot of blood spitting and there's a bass solo usually in the uh, in the live versions of that song. But it's really it's really strong. It's a great like oh yeah let's go kind of song. And in that vein of like songs that just pump pump me right up, we're gonna talk about Visigoth, which is an American metal band. Um, I believe from California. And their debut album, which came out in 2015, called The Revenant King, possessed a song called Dungeon Master, which is exactly what you think it's about. No, it's not the that Dungeon Master. It's the D&D Dungeon Master. And it is loaded with Dungeons & Dragons references. It is, it is chock-a-block full of Dungeons & Dragons references. It talks about... Um, take a chance roll the dice that's like a song in the lyrics it talks about the forgotten realms um master of evil lord of dark and catacombs and black and tomes where it where is foul will is rot oh it's great it's great stuff um and it's uh we are pathfinders we are the travelers we are the voices of steel in the night we are the warriors and the sorcerers our magics will light up the sky it's it's amazing stuff here is the snippet of dungeon master by Visigoth. Actually, like these two songs next to each other because we had gene sims theme song and we have what i like to consider my theme song because i'm a big old dungeon master i'm a big old nerd and that song is incredible visigoth has a lot of uh video game and gaming references in their songs um i can't find any evidence that it's just like they're like outright like yeah this is from this game um, but if you are familiar with like just video gaming in general and you listen to some of the songs, you're kind of sitting there with like, one squinted eye going, like, I'm pretty sure the song's about the Witcher franchise kind of reactions. But both amazing songs. Um, uh, Dungeon Master's been one of my favorites for a couple of years now. So I'm a big fan of that. And God of Thunder, um, honestly, outside of Brutal Legend, you know, I hadn't really listened to it. That's a great song. That's a great song. Once again, you got a song you want me to talk about on the going up cast starring me send me an email at going or use the contact page on the website and i would love to talk about it love to talk about your favorite song it will go on here promise it's just going to end up right there on the podcast forever and ever and it's just going to be right there kablam your song right here anyway let's move on to the next thing So for this portion of the podcast, we are going to talk about something that is very near and dear to my heart. Something I have been an absolute blistering fan of for about two to three years. Starting in my senior year of college, I stumbled across a late night stream one Thursday night of a bunch of voice actors playing Dungeons and Dragons. It was called Critical Role and ever since that faithful night back oh gosh 100 100 plus episodes ago i think i i hopped on the bandwagon around episode 28 of season one um i i've been hooked i have dice i have t-shirts i have socks i have hoodies i have an art book i have a comic book i have an exclusive issue one printing of the comic book from a comic-con i have everything you could possibly want Or desire related to Critical Role because I love it to pieces. If you don't know what Critical Role is, it is a bunch of voice actors playing Dungeons & Dragons every Thursday night. They recently began Season 2 of Critical Role. Season 1 was 115-ish episodes. Each one is at minimum 3 hours long. And Season 2 is about 22 episodes in as of recording this. It's probably 23 by the time this goes live. And once again, each episode is about minimum three hours long. I believe the longest episode was pushing almost six. I think it was over five hours. Um, and they are usually the ones with like big epic boss fights. I have been playing D&D for a couple of years. Mostly inspired because of Critical Role. And it is... It's it's a very big part of my life. Most of my wardrobe is related to Critical Role. I play D&D once a week sometimes twice a week for a long time now and recently the hardcover version of the critical role comic book origins vox machina origins finally hit comic book store shelves everywhere and me being the fan i am i got the limited edition green leather bound uh, volume uh which is good because if you don't get those limited edition uh, versions of the art book or the comic book when they go live you that's it, you, you missed your shot it's gone forever, they're never printing them again so, I just read it about 30 seconds before recording this, I just finished it took about a half an hour, 40 minutes um, the art in the comic book is wonderful uh, I believe they had a fan artist uh, come on and do the art for the comic book, which is it's very well done it focuses on six members of Vox Machina: Grog, Strong, Joss, Scanlan, Short Halt, Vex, Zalia, and Vaxildan, Keyleth, and Tiberius Stormwind. Excluding the other members of Vox Machina, I believe it's—I believe we're only missing Pike. I think Vox Machina only had six members. Just checking this thing. Oh, and we're missing Percy. Uh, so yeah we're missing we're missing two uh, characters from this comic book. but yeah it, it starts with um just kind of the 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 very very early beginnings of Vox machina and it does a pretty pretty good job of setting this whole thing up. Uh, I think the the characterization of the characters is very well done. like I said the art is very good. Um, this whole comic book would make an excellent early level campaign. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty phenomenal it sets up a lot of the lore Um, for somebody who's a super big fan of uh, the critical role world and of very familiar with Vox Machina's story there's a lot of really great moments in this comic book Um, and even if you don't know uh, critical role um, very well I think this is still a very good comic book. Um, or a graphic novel, I would guess. It's it's difficult. In my head, a comic book is like a single issue, but if it's in a volume like this, it's not. It's not a comic book. This is a graphic novel. Um, it is. It was. It was very good. I like it much better than uh, Dark Knight's Metal, but that's probably because, like I mentioned before, I'm a huge, huge Critical Role fan. It is. It's bled into other aspects of my life in very interesting ways. Like I've been playing a lot of World of Warcraft lately, and many of the voice actors. In critical role, are also in World of Warcraft, like Liam O'Brien is Illidan Storm Rage, Matthew Mercer is a bunch of voices in uh, Ragnaros, uh, the Fire Lord, uh, Rexar, the Hunter, and he also voices the Arcane Branch for the Mage Class's artifact weapon. It's like Aluneth or something like that. And it, it'll be a thing like I'll I'll boot up Guild Wars Two and I pick the male Nord uh, because that's voiced by Matthew Mercer, or um I'll pick Alliance because uh Laura Bailey is the voice of uh, Jaina Proudmoore and she's she's just chilling right there and especially in Legion right now you got Travis William as the voice of the like the Lightforged General whose name I can't remember he stands next to Illidan on the um on the on the spaceship that you're on anyway. I'm real big nerd. I mean, Ashley Johnson. I started watching Blind Spot because she's in it. Um, just it's it's bled into whole other areas of of my life in wonderful ways. I think I think D and D is one of the greatest gaming experiences that is possible to have. Like playing a virtual reality game for the first time is mind blowing. Um, sinking your teeth into D is what is like if somebody it doesn't say they're a gamer or they're trying to experience what like gaming can be at its finest i truly believe that getting a group of friends together and playing dungeons and dragons for the first time is arguably the best gaming experience you could possibly have it's certainly easily in my top three right up there at the top There's nothing quite like building a story together with your friends. You develop this character that is uniquely your own, or if you're in my shoes and you're the Dungeon Master, you develop a world full of all of your favorite elements from cultures and uh, media you've consumed and... Classic stories that you're a fan of, and it's got all these twists and turns and your own interpretations of things that inspire you. For me, the vast majority of my inspiration for my Dungeons and Dragon worlds comes from music. I've written whole campaign arcs about songs. The latest one I just went through was uh, The Legend of the Astral Hammer uh, by Glory Hammer. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Legend of the Astral Hammer. I'm like, well, well, you know, that's clearly a weapon. And then I built this whole big arc with void dragons and ancient dwarven smiths and thousand year long revenge plots and all this crazy stuff. And it was just about one song from one album from one band. That's all. That's all I needed to just pick it up and run. And that campaign went on for well over a year before we finally concluded it. It's, it's wonderfully creative. I've been able to stretch my, my creative juices in fun and unique ways. Uh, I've been doing a lot more drawing than I've ever done uh, in, in the past. A lot of maps. I draw all of my maps by hand. All of my world creation is is up to me. Uh, you know, I just, I'll come up with like, I need a city here. And then you just kind of run through the ringer. The Dungeons Master Guide is actually like, it's designed to be helpful in this uh, arena, but it's legitimately wonderful and making your, your towns feel alive. You know, it'll be like, you know, how is the town protected? What kind of governmental system does the town have? Uh, is there a strong tax situation? What do the townsfolk think of the town? Is there a blacksmith? And if there is a blacksmith, how good is the blacksmith? What kind of materials would the blacksmith have access to based on local trade economy? Like you just start constructing layers upon layers and all of a sudden you're, you have a city with depth you have characters with backstory and interpersonal relationships between the npcs you know that the, the mayor's daughter is dating the blacksmith across town but the mayor doesn't approve kind of things like you just you just got it and when when you have a bunch of players coming in and they're like we're gonna go to this town you don't even have to take out your notes you're just like all right let's go where do you want to go this is what you see you walk into the street You see down to your right, you see a pillar of smoke rising from what looks to be an open-air forge. Uh, Down to the left, you see what looks like a a barracks next to a horse stable and you smell freshly baking bread Uh, further on in that direction. You see uh, an old man um, peddling uh, just a little loot just right across the street from you with a tiny cup full of coins just kind of strumming away. Uh, He's trying to catch your eye. Uh, What do you do? And then your players just go. It's it's wonderfully fulfilling. And I feel like this comic book actually does a wonderful job of representing the D experience. There's uh there's quite a bit of uh, meta jokes in this comic book. Um, there's a fair amount of uh, like fourth wall breaking humor that definitely references the fact that it is a um D inspired comic book. That's it's got a lot it's got a lot going on. There is um there is one passage or one uh, uh, like page in this comic book that doesn't quite make sense to me. Um, and I'm tr- let's see if I can find it. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but it's apparent. I would guess it's in um the final issue of the comic book. Um, like it was in it was in issue six. You can find this uh, comic book digital as well. And there is a page of somebody looking sad, looking up. Going into their pocket, dropping what it looks like a bunch of rocks, and then walking away. And honestly, the character looks an awful lot like Matthew Mercer, who is the Dungeon Master of Critical Role. Um, so I wonder if it's some kind of like meta narrative where it's like Mercer brought the party together, and then like his job was done, and then he moved on. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what that page is about. It's it's the only thing that I'm sitting here going like, what is? What are they trying to tell me there? I don't understand. But it's a, it is a very good comic book. You can currently get the non-limited edition version of the comic book. Just your bog-standard graphic novel, which has um, all of the interior extras. It's got a map of uh, Stillben, which is the town that the uh, comic book Vox Machina Origins takes place. It's got um, character stats for some of the the villains. And it's got a couple of item pages so you can integrate elements of this into your own campaign, which is a wonderful idea. It's got sketches of the original, um, six issue comic, uh, covers, and it is, I believe it's about 50 bucks. Uh, but if you go onto project alpha.com and you sign up, um, for that service, you can get it for 10% off on the project alpha store. I am not sponsored in any way. And I, I mean, I don't, I will, I will pump. Critical Role and Geek and & Sundry till the cows come home. They are wonderful people. Some of the best creators on the internet right now. The Critical Role Thursday live streams is a phenomenon with live shows multiple times a year. The uh, finale of Critical Role of season one, I believe had over 100,000 people watching it, uh, which was mind blowing to be a part of. Uh, it's made me, It's made me laugh, it's made me cry. It's inspired me to be creative in my own way more times than I care to admit. And if I was more caught up on Critical Role, I would absolutely 100% have a segment called This is What Happened on Critical Role This Week. Let's talk about it. I'm really close to being caught up on season two. I'm only four episodes out. Who knows? That might be a segment later on down the road. What I hope will be a segment here pretty soon is me talking about some of my own uh, D and D adventures. Uh, I'm about to start a brand new campaign with uh, a couple of friends of mine and I would love to share snippets and stuff, uh, from, from that, uh, experience. Um, but up next, I want to, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about, about getting started as a, as a, as a DM, because I, this is like, this is my D and D focused episode i'm sure it'll be elements later on down the road but i have a lot of things to say about dungeons and dragons and i really want to to talk them talk them out and have you guys just you know just you know i just want, I want to talk about it it's something that means a lot to me and it makes me super happy and i want to share my joy of dungeons and dragons with you all so up next we're going to talk about just how to get how to get started how to how to begin your D adventure should you should you require a point in the right direction So, you wanna start your own brand spanking new D&D game, but you don't know how to begin. Well, I have six easy steps on how to begin. Number one, I wanna talk briefly about playing in person versus playing online. I have done both and depending on your situation, one will be easier than the other. You will find when trying to start a D&D game that it is a commitment for sure. And the number one problem most people have when playing D&D is finding a group of people with a, a similarly open night that is always open for, for D&D. You want to keep your expectations nice and reasonable. You know, can't do a weekly game? Try twice a week, you know, or not twice a week. Try uh, once every two weeks or once a month. I've done once a month games. Usually if you only do it once a month, you want to make sure those games are nice and long Um, six hours minimum, you know, you want to really sink into it and have enough time to, to get into some of the, the meat of, uh, of the story and allow for some character progression along the way. But playing in person is the best way to do it. The interactions are better. The, the banter is faster. There's a greater sense of camaraderie. Uh, you can usually get drunk with, with your friends. That's always fun. Um, it is, it is the way to play dungeons and dragons or really any tabletop game is in person barring that there are many excellent tools available online for digital uh, dice rolling digital dungeons and dragons uh, roll 20 is completely free you can find people to play uh, a DD game on roll 20 they have forums available right there for you to uh, find a group that fits your time slot and your style of gaming uh, it is, it's completely free, you can make your character sheet all within the system, you can do the whole thing just right in the screen, uh, it allows for an interactive visual map element, and it's, it's, it's completely wonderful. When I play D&D online, I prefer to use Tabletop Simulator on Steam, which goes on sale quite often for $10, it's $20 at full price. I highly recommend that as well. It allows for a greater detail of map. You can pull from the curated uh, workshop for tabletop simulator and pull maps that other people have made for your own campaigns, which I would highly recommend. It's got interactive 3d models for a lot of different enemies. Um, not every enemy mind you, but, uh, there are, there are plenty of options that you can pull from. So if you're in person or online, there are excellent tools. For both ways. Point number two, when starting your first D and D game, is you want to start simple. Most likely, you will either be the DM or you'll find a DM. You want to keep it. You want to keep it nice and simple. So let's say for this situation, you're running the game. You got your you got your friends together. You're gonna meet at your place. You got booze. You got pizza or snacks or whatever kind of food, and you're you're ready to start. Uh, usually, you'll start with character creation. And if you're starting out the gate, I do recommend you start at level one. Um, you'll find um, as more ex- as more experience is garnered through play, your players and yourself will want to fast forward a couple of levels. Usually starting on the level three to level five range, depending on what kind of campaign you want to roll. Um, it's It's very good to start at level one. Just understand that people are very easy to kill at level one. Uh, I've had a lot of, uh, total party wipeouts or TPKs, um, or, or total party kill, um, at level one, because you just do not have a lot of hit points. And so it's really easy for anything from like a zombie to an owl bear to just one shot the fuck out of your whole party. So you just got to be really careful. Give them some basement rats to go fight. Start off nice and easy. If you're looking for a pre-constructed D&D adventure to start out, uh, between levels one and five, I cannot recommend the Lost Mines of Phandelver more highly it is found in the D starter kit which is a wonderful tool set uh for be for, for fledgling dms uh it is a quick little adventure i've played it at least a dozen times it's wonderful it does an excellent job of getting your characters up to speed from levels one to level five uh it's got a lot to explore it's got a great story it's simple and it makes sense it's all developed right there for you it's right there in the starter kit it's it's so it's the problem it's one of the best adventures. Uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast has made, and it's the, it's the best intro to D and D as a whole uh, is is starting. in Lost Minds and Fandolver. Quick side note: uh, great places to pick up some just general D and D tips on like how to be a good DM and what it takes to make a good story. I would recommend two things. I would recommend Critical Role. Watch that. Watch how Mercer makes his characters. Watch how he makes them. Uh, realistic, watch the character banter between players. Those types of elements are really, really well portrayed in Critical Role. And the Adventure Zone, which is not only a wonderful D&D point of inspiration on how to weave one of the greatest modern fantasy stories of our time, uh, but it also does a great job of just representing uh, how fun the banter can be between players and it was an inspiration for me to start my own podcast so those would be my two uh, go-to sources other uh, excellent things to do and kind of like you know on a, if you want more options acquisitions incorporated with wizards of the coasts uh chris perkins is wonderful you could go watch high rollers with the augs cast every sunday you could watch role play um r-o-l-l play uh with um jp and all of those uh streamer dudes and dudettes. you could go watch that. Um, but for me and and you know, bang for my buck, it's it's adventure zone and critical role are a great places to start. But starting Lost Minds Fandelver, you can even use the pre-made character sheets that come in the starter kit to get you guys like right into the game without having to worry about character creation and all that stuff. It's it's all right there. Ready for your play it's just right there you can just start up and get going but let's say you don't want to use a pre-made campaign you want to you want to start your players off in something fresh and original that you created my advice for that is to do it first off if you want to create your own world do it like just get get right into it just start but make sure you start small <laughs> nothing is more daunting than imagining a blank planet and having to fill in the gaps there's so much there start small Make a single NPC. Make one NPC, okay? Make a dude. Or make a dude, uh, make a half-elf, make an orc, make a halfling, make a talking sentient horse that can fly. I don't care what you make. Just make one NPC. Okay? Give him a backstory. What's his name? Does he have any family? He does? He's married. Boom. Second NPC. All right. expand it out. Do they have kids? They do. Three kids. Boom. Yeah, three more NPCs. Now you got a family. Family's got to live somewhere. They live in a house. They live in a house. The house is in a town. You start slowly building out from there. What do the parents do in order to support the kids? Do they both have jobs? Does one of them stay at home? or do Are they rich? Maybe they're nobles. Maybe they don't have to work. Maybe they have to, you know, they live off of the wealth of the family. And then you slowly build up from there. But you got to start small. Start NPC, then go town. From town, you can go kingdom or country, depending on the structure of your world. From kingdom or country, you go to continent. What does the whole landmass look like? And then you go world. Are there other landmasses? Okay, there are. You name it. Then you shrink right the fuck back down, start with the NPC over again, and build up slowly and fill the continent out. My advice, if you're gonna have a game up here real soon, is build the setting for the first leg of the campaign, right? Develop Develop the starting town, pick some narrative points see where they go but make sure you have the continent landmass of their of like where they begin pretty fleshed out okay because no matter how carefully you plan narrative plots it's all going to get thrown out the fucking window when they decide to steal a boat day one and sail away from your continent okay you got to make sure you're prepped for everything so because your players will do whatever they want one of the earliest games i ever ran I had I had a bunch of narrative story plots playing out like they had to go into the basement they had to find a book they had to bring the book to the mayor the mayor was going to tell them what the book read the book read evil shit they had to go to the neighboring capital city to go talk to an alchemist blah 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 they had all these things three hours we played that game and all they wanted to do was go house hunting I developed a realtor I took them on imaginary house tours we talked about crown molding and plumbing for three hours and they didn't buy a house so, you never know what your players are going to want to do. You just got you got to roll with the punches, see what they want to do because like they are going to run this game, all right? That's that's just what's going to happen. But this leads me into uh my some of my final points. Play with friends. Good times, bad times, you want your friends there, all right? When when everybody dies from a total b- beholder bloodbath, you want your friends there because it's going to be so much fun. And usually if there's booze involved, which is idea number five, if you can have booze, have booze. Booze loosens the wheels, you know? Especially because role-playing for a lot of people is something really new. That's not something everybody's super used to. It takes a lot to be able to sit down at a table with your friends or even some strangers and be like, Hello, my name is Sildar Hallwinter. I'm an elven warrior from the clan. That takes a lot, you know? Not everybody has the the charismatic gumption to just go and dive into it. Usually, booze helps loosen the wheels a little bit. Helps people relax and have fun because that is the end goal of every D and game. Have fun. Having fun is what matters the most. It does. Your story could be the coolest story ever. You could have spent months and years working on it, but if it isn't fun for your players, it's worthless having fun is the most important thing in dungeons and dragons making sure your players have a good time and whatever that means to them is what needs to happen that's that's what D is all about if there's one thing to take away from my massive dungeons and dragons rant it's that having fun is the most important thing in dungeons and dragons it negates everything else involved with dungeons and dragons having fun that's that's the number one tip i'm sure over the course of the next couple of weeks i will talk more in depth about D and um character creation, kind of how I go about it, uh great ways to find uh new character class options, new race options, all that fun stuff. We'll dive into that kind of jazz later on. But if you guys have any questions about D D or any stories from games you've run or been a part of that you want to share, please let me know. Those are some of the best stories. Some of the best stories come from Dungeons and Dragons. It's so much fun. Please send them to GoingOutcast.com. And I think that'll do it for this week's D&D rant. And I will see you guys in the little next segment for something else. This week, we got three brand spanking new Harry Potter chapters for y'all to listen to. We got chapters 10 to 12. Halloween, Quidditch, and The Mirror of Erised. And these these are some pretty important chapters. Most importantly of which I would argue is Halloween, because that is when Harry, Ron, and Hermione finally become friends. When Harry and Ron save Hermione from the troll in the bathroom. Spoilers if you haven't read this yet. Anyway, today's little segment of uh, of the Harry Potter chapters that I want to focus on is uh, is within the first couple of minutes of Chapter Twelve, "The Mirror of Erised," where there's just a bunch of little little comments that I like to like to sneak on in there uh, to what I believe is great comedic effect um but then again i did make it so i am naturally super biased to my own work but uh we are we're getting there we're getting there to the end of uh book one we only have two more weeks of book one and then we're off to Chamber of secrets and uh, you may you know have not remembered but i am almost done with book five so do not worry there won't be like a down period in between books there won't be like a, oh man now i've got to. Record book two, see you in nine months. Um hopefully we'll just coast right on through to the end of the series without uh without any break. That is uh that is the goal. So here is a little snippet of the Mirror of eriset chapter, chapter twelve. Malfoy had been ever more un- even more unpleasant than usual since the Quidditch match. Disgusted that Slytherin had lost, he had tried to get everyone laughing about how a wide mouthed tree frog would be replacing Harry as Seeker next. Then he realized that nobody found this funny because they were all so impressed at the way Harry had managed to stare on his bucking broomstick. Sal Malfoy, jealous and angry, had gone back to taunting Harry about having no proper family, because Malfoy is a vindictive little shit and has nothing better to do. Three brand new chapters of Harry Potter are uploaded every Thursday morning around 10 a.m., and if you're lucky, if I'm, you know, sometimes they go up Wednesday night, so you can also, you know, take a look at the website Wednesday nights as well. But they uh, go up instantly, so the exact time in which they're uploaded means they're up so uh every now and then i will tweet that the chapters are going live so make sure you follow me uh you can follow me at going Upcast on twitter or you can follow my personal twitter which is at margin um m-a-r-g-i-n-k-o-r on twitter and you can get information regarding the podcast on both feeds both feeds and now it is time to talk about one of my all-time favorite subjects known to man this segment of this week's episode of The Going Up Cast, I want to talk about a movie I just saw that I imagine many of you out there are either on the fence about seeing or have already seen it or are waiting to hear potentially about what people thought about Incredibles 2. Now, this movie naturally was, what is it, 14 years in the making? And there was a lot of, you know, everybody's got some pretty high expectations for this particular film. Uh, you know, I was absolutely among them. Incredibles is one of my favorite uh, movies. It's a fantastic superhero movie. It's a wonderful family movie. It's got great action. It's got great characters. It has an amazing soundtrack. And it's like, how could this movie possibly live up to that? Especially after such a long period of time. Well, I'm happy to report that Incredibles 2 is just as good as the original, if not better. I laughed incredibly hard um, to compare it to another movie in the theaters right now. Um, I thought it was funnier than Deadpool 2. I thought it had better action than Deadpool 2. It had more heart than Deadpool 2. And it is just a, it's a better movie than Deadpool 2. Um, and the only reason I'm bringing it up to Deadpool 2 is because it's like, they're actually kind of strangely, well, not in terms of story, but in terms of like laughter balancing with superhero action, it's pretty, it's pretty, you know, close. Uh, Because Deadpool sets out to be that comedy superhero movie, and this is better. (laughs) This is funnier. Um, Like Deadpool has almost an error of like trying too hard, and The Incredibles. It was very relatable humor. The comedic timing of these jokes was perfect. It was bang on, and it was. I I haven't laughed that hard in a long time uh, to a movie, so it's it's very funny. The action set pieces are phenomenal like this is some golden age superhero stuff that they were pulling off here edge your seat kind of like oh jesus like kind of white knuckles gripping the armrests like just waiting to see what happens um it was it was excellent uh the beginning of the showing i saw absolutely had a warning for epilepsy um, potentially causing in this movie and yeah, <laughs> for sure if you are um, at, at all uh, affected by bright flashing lights b- take this movie with a grain of salt because there's a lot of it um, and it's not in one part of the movie it's pretty persistent throughout a very large portion of the movie um, and it mostly, I don't want to give spoilers away but it has mostly to do with the with a particular villain of the film um, so basically whenever anything super spooky happens if you got some epilepsy stuff going on maybe you want to close your eyes and just listen to it um, because it's uh, it can get pretty intense it can get pretty intense um, the movie is dedicated to uh, Bud Lucky who was the voice of the special agent uh, Rick Dicker um, from Incredibles and he was he was a bunch of things he's Chuckles the Clown in Toy Story 3 he was Eeyore in um, Winnie the Pooh uh, from like two thousand and eleven, he was in a bunch of stuff, but he's been in, in a bunch of Pixar movies. Had a very particular voice about him. He is—it's very similar to him. Um, Ratzenberger. being in almost or Ratzenberger's in every Pixar movie, but um, uh, good old uh, good old Bud Lucky was in a lot of them. So there is that as well. Oh, the cast was pretty phenomenal. It was the same cast um as the first movie. Um, I believe I don't think I don't think there are many exceptions to that. Um, Jack Jack is a wonderful addition. Well, not addition, but it's like he's very prominent in this movie, and he he shines every time he's on screen. There are some wonderful moments. Um, when Jack Jack's kind of coming to his own uh, in terms of the powers, that's very very funny. It's it's a fantastic movie. Um, if you're familiar with superhero movies. Um, the, the story of it might seem a little tried and true. Um, the bad guy reminded me a lot of control freak from like the old teen Titans animated show. And, um, there's definitely some moments where you're like, oh, okay, that's what this movie is. Um, which is totally fine. The trailers didn't do a great job with this movie. I was expecting Mr. Mom, um, when I saw uh, the trailers and to be fair, there are definite Mr. Mom elements. But that's not the whole movie that is a that is a very small part of this movie it's got uh family drama it's got you know world uh, threatening um action um it's got the mr mom stuff it's got uh the teen or um violet being a teenager and uh dash being a baby and um bob having to deal with the dash baby and it's got oh it's got it's got a lot it's got a lot going on it's pretty phenomenal um, in terms of Pixar's latest, uh, like kind of forays and just movies that they've released recently, I would say the last movie they came out with, that came even close to this, this film. I need to like look up a list cause there's so many list of Pixar films. There we go. All right. So the last, oh, well I suppose they just came out with Coco, uh, which was also phenomenal. Um, so I guess this is the best Pixar movie since Coco. Which was the last movie they came out with um, before this one. Um, but before that, I would say this is as good as. I would say it's right up there next to Up and Wall-E. I mean, I already said it's almost as, or it's just as good as Incredibles one, if not better. Um, so, like, it's it's right up there at the top of some of the best Pixar stuff that they've ever come out with. Uh, without without hesitation, I will I will say that it is it is a phenomenal film and um honestly i kind of want to see it again not sure i want another incredibles i think um this is a story that was told very well and i think they should leave it and move on i think we got two very very good movies that tell awesome stories and they're awesome let's leave it alone let's drop it and leave it alone it is done. We have completed *The Incredibles*. Dust our hands. It's good shit. Moving on. Oh, also the sh- the short film at the front of this movie is called *Bow*, unlike a bow bun. Um, and oh whoa, not gonna tell you anything about that, but made me cry, and like, uh, that went that went some places I wasn't expecting it. Um complete complete left turn like it, you know it, it like i don't want to spoil it but it starts a, a narrative and you kind of accept the narrative and it progresses and right as the narrative comes to like a climax it completely drives right off the road and slams into a guardrail and you go you like throw your hands on and go what the fuck just happened um that was who? that was jeez, hard left turn hard left turn and I'm reading this thing right here that it's revealed that the writer and director of the short is working on an animated feature based on an original idea. Um, I'm not sure if that's for Pixar or if that's just something they're working on separately. But if it's for Pixar, I mean, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. This person's clearly got a smart head on their shoulders for surprising me with that short film. But no, no, no. We'll just have to we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Incredibles 2, wonderful movie, absolutely wonderful. Uh, it is an absolute must see in the theaters. It's got some incredible action. You got to see it on the big screen. I would encourage you to go see it just right now. Just go, just pause the podcast, go check it out, you can come on back and agree with me. It's pretty, it's pretty good. What's your favorite Pixar movie? Do you got one? You got a favorite Pixar movie? Love to hear what it is. After like after this one, mine would probably be a tide of Finding Nemo and Wall E. are probably are probably my top two. Um, but The Incredibles is sitting right up there as well it's kind of like Studio Ghibli they're all incredible films well not all of them, most of them are incredible films um, and so whatever you say your favorite is I mean you're not wrong, it's it's a phenomenal movie most likely is your favorite but if you come at me and say Cars 2 is the best person movie ever made we can't be friends that's, that's, that's a slock film and you know it that's terrible I like Bug's Life, why? there's nothing redeeming about Bug's Life Jesus, anyway there you go Pixar and Incredibles 2. It's a good film. would recommend. I would. I give it a solid... It's all a 9 out of 10. I'd say it's way up there. It's way up there. Um, Violet's a little whiny. And like I said, the plot isn't anything I haven't seen before. But it's told pretty dang well. So I'll, I'll let it go at that. But now it's time for y- y'all to listen to <laughs> me very poorly attempt to do a segment from my car... I did my best to reduce the car noise uh, from the actual recording. Uh, it turns out the reason why it was listenable in the car wash is because my car wasn't moving. Uh, as in, there wasn't like the rumble of an engine beneath it. So I did my best with the post, post-editing. But uh, I mean, the story is just too good uh, for me to retell any other time. So there you go. gang it is I once again recording from the inside of my car. I'm sure you can hear the rumbling of the tires beneath beneath the chassis of my particular vehicle as I drive down the highway. It's currently 1213 at night. I just got off of work. Super exciting stuff but I wanted to tell this story um while it was fresh in my head uh about uh about a particular thing that happened tonight. So I was working like I do, you know most days, and it was, uh, it, I, like, um, I close on, a, on certain days of the week, so I'm there from, like, four to midnight, um, basically, and, uh, one of the, one of the other, uh, workers from downstairs comes up and says that we have, uh, an individual in the store named, uh, Matthew Lillard, who, uh, I knew from watching a, a and d stream, uh, a couple of weeks back. It was called The Stream of Many Eyes. And it was the stream to announce like the next campaign book, which I believe is called Waterdeep. Uh, it looks very cool. And there was a bunch of uh, celebrities on the stream, including like Big Show was there, a lot of the guys from Critical Role, um, uh, people from The Adventure Zone, people from uh, uh, Girls Guts Glories, from Acquisitions Incorporated, from High Rollers, from d d streams from all over. And they had a couple of um, like legitimate uh, like movie celebrities as well, including Matthew Lillard, who uh, I know best as the current voice for Shaggy from Scooby-Doo after Casey Kasem retired. And he also portrayed Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo movies. But he's also been in a, like Scary Movie, and uh, according to some of my coworkers, he was in Hackers. He was in a lot of stuff. Um, so he, so I was like, oh, cool, Matthew Lillard. But I was like, oh, I'm busy like i'm working i can't i can't go down and say hi to this guy i just you know i gotta keep working and so I, I thought that was gonna be the end of it but towards the end of my night uh same co-worker comes back up and says that matthew lillard has come back so if you missed your shot the first time you should you should probably go down and say hi before he leaves because um, he's super nice and in the back of my mind i'm like well i mean he came back so i might as well go down and see if i can say hello and you know maybe get a picture or something so I head on downstairs and I'm like, I'm looking around and I'm like, trying not to make it too obvious what I'm doing, but yeah, you know, like I, so I've met who people who I consider to be very famous. Uh, so I, I've, I've fanboyed really hard in the past and it doesn't matter who I'm, I'm meeting if I think they're famous, you know, like I can meet a YouTuber who the vast majority of people will go like, who the fuck is that? And I'm sitting here going like, you don't know Martin Littlewood? Oh my God! When I met Martin Littlewood. I like, I was shaking like a leaf. Or when I met the super best friends, um, it's always nerve wracking. How do you start those conversations? It's, it, it gets in your head. You're just like, oh man, you know, how, what do I, what do I say? Do I like, Shaggy? You no, know, like, do I just shout that at him? Like, it's the character you played. Um, what do I, what do I do? You go, hi. You know, how do you, how do you say hello to famous people? So I go over there and his character name was Bobo in the stream of many eyes where I'd most recently seen him. And so I loudly, quietly said Bobo. I did the, like, I screamed the character name at him. He didn't hear me. So I tapped him on the shoulder instead. He's a tall dude, um, much taller than I was expecting. Uh, he was, I, I would estimate like six foot, four, six foot five, somewhere in that neighborhood. He's a tall dude, um, but he was super nice. And honestly, it was one of the easiest celebrity interactions I've had uh, because he asked questions. Like, I introduced myself. I'm like, hi, I'm Andrew. I work upstairs. And um, he's like, how many cards do you guys have? And I'm like, from that wall to that wall, tens of millions of copies of cards. There's millions out there. And he's like, what what would you estimate or what's the most expensive card you got? And I was like, Black Lotus, Alpha Black Lotus goes for about uh, 20 to 30K, uh, depending on the quality. Um, In reality, it goes from like, I think it's like 12 to 30K, depending on the quality like a good alpha black lotus is only like twelve thousand dollars something like that but i think he misunderstood me and assumed that every card upstairs was 20k uh which is not the case at all um but it was it was very fun he was super nice i didn't get a picture with him uh mostly because he was leaving and i didn't want to like hold him up any longer than just saying hello uh but he was he was very nice um it was it was it was a very very cool uh, little moment to to meet uh to meet that guy. And like I've said, I've met a lot of people, um, in, in my, in my time, mostly at gaming conventions. You meet a lot of people at gaming conventions. Um, people outside of like the gaming sphere who could arguably be described as being famous. I met Alan Doyle. Um, I met Alan Doyle. I've also met, uh, Chris McFarlane, um, who are both musicians for, um, Great Big seat. one of my one of my all time favorite bands. Alan Doro's lead singer. He he's recently done a lot of solo stuff. It's all phenomenal. Um, so I've met them. I actually got drumsticks from Chris. Uh, so that was a big moment for me. This person is driving so fucking slowly. I get it. It's like twelve twenty, but like I want to get home. Let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Piece of shit. Anyway. Um, so I met him. I met them. At uh, separate occasions. Um, oh no, actually. Hold on, strike that. I believe I met both of them in the same night. It was funny because, like, Alan Doyle went, so he played a small venue in Seattle called the Tractor Tavern. I've seen Alan Doyle and Great Big Sea play live, like, almost 20 times at this point, I would estimate. Um, but he went over to the bar to, like, meet people and, like, sign photos and stuff like that. And so I went over there, and, um, you know, I met him, got a picture. I signed my CD. It was all very cool. And then we were just hanging out, and I'm watching Chris take his drum set down. And, like, pack it up and stuff. And, like, I've been a drummer for, uh, uh, like, probably, like, oh, God, sorry. My phone almost fell. I've been a drummer for almost 13, 14 years. And, like, I can appreciate tearing, tearing down your drumsticks. So I go over there and I start chatting with him about how, like, hey, I'm a drummer too. And I'm like, you've always been a big influence on me. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And then he gave me the drumsticks from that night's show. He just handed them to me. And I was like, oh, dude, thanks so much. It's awesome. I loved it. I still have the, I still have the drumsticks. Um, it, was, it was a very cool moment. Uh, I love Grand Pixie. they're all wonderful guys Um, I met Ultimate Warrior <laughs> Who, um Was a WWE wrestler Uh, this was about I think it was like Two or three years before he died Um And I know he said A bunch of really Horrible, crazy shit In his later years Um, like he was He was pretty, uh, he was pretty right wing Um in a lot of very strange, terrible ways. Pretty anti-homosexual, and um, just pretty racist. Like, a lot of bad stuff. But when I met him, he, he was the lovely... He was super nice. And, um... It was, you know, it was a pleasure to meet him. And, it like, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest WWE fan. Um, and so, it was, it was more for the story of me meeting him. And... There was a, there was a. I'm going off on a weird ass tangent. It's late. Um, so I'm standing in line waiting to meet Ultimate Warrior at Pax, and a camera crew comes running right up to me, and they're like, clearly a part of the the booth, and they're like, "Are you excited to meet Ultimate Warrior?" And I was like, "Yeah!" And they're like, "What's your favorite wrestling match he's ever been in?" And I went in the back of my head, I'm like, "Fuck, I don't, I don't know." I don't watch wrestling. Fuck. And so I, I was, I was pretty proud of how quickly on my feet I was able to come up with this response. I went, "Oh man, you know, there's just so many amazing matches. It's hard to pick just one." And so the guy was like, "Let me help you, out. you Remember WrestleMania 30?" And I was like, "Oh shit, that's such a good one." I'm like, "I don't fucking. That could be a number of a WrestleMania match. I don't know." But like, it was terrible. And that was the end of the interview. And then I, and then I met him and I shook shook his hand and. I had long hair at the time which he was famous for having like long blonde hair and so he's so he like dude nice hair and i was like thanks man i grew it myself um and it was he was just very very nice to me and uh he signed a signed a picture and i have and i got a picture with him and i have both of them like framed next to each other and it was that was a very cool moment um but like you know it was just I didn't know I didn't know dick about wrestling. I mostly did it to make a friend of mine jealous, who was super into wrestling. Uh, at the time, I'm like, "Hey man, you like wrestling? That's cool." I met Ultimate Warrior, whatever. No big deal. Um, did it for the wrong reasons, but he was still a very nice guy, uh, and uh, I I enjoyed meeting him. So that's just kind of that's just kind of what happened to me tonight. Um, I got tons of stories like this of just meeting people oh, again who I perceive to be famous. Like a lot of people wouldn't consider the super best friends to be famous and you probably don't even know who I'm talking about. But when I met them, oh my God, I've met them several times. They're all super lovely, but I'll save that story for, oh God, my phone. Jesus, it keeps, like I've got, I'm holding it between my legs. It keeps slipping out. Uh, But I'm now approaching the house. I'm about to go in, take a shower and go to bed because it's, it's very late. But I wanted to share the Matthew Lillard story while I was fresh in my dome piece and um... Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. I think that'll do it for this week's episode of the Going Up cast. Thank you very much for listening. I enjoy your listening ship more than you could possibly imagine. It has been one of the greatest creative joys of my working adult life to be able to bring you this podcast every week. It's been so much fun. I know we're only like eight episodes into it, but I can totally see myself doing this for years to come. So keep sharing it around. Keep, you know, sending me songs of the week all that fun stuff and i will see you all next week for another episode of the growing up cast have a have a great night everybody